Hey guys, welcome to my very first episode of my new podcast, Outer Banks Observations. Um, if you are here to all the people listening, I'm very excited to have you and I've been wanting to start this podcast for a while because I absolutely love the show Outer Banks and I have a lot of conspiracies that I would like to open up about to everyone and see if anyone has any opinions or anything they'd like to add and you know just start up some conversation with some people online because I love talking to new people so um, on this episode I will be talking about the very first episode of season one for Outer Banks which is just the pilot that's just the name of the episode in my words the description for this episode is just like introducing all the characters and like really just starting up the story so you really just get to know the characters and like how their dynamic works and you get to figure out what's going on and who's who and yeah i think this episode is a really great starter and i can't wait to jump in so let's get started Okay, diving into the first episode of Outer Banks, we are going to start off with the intro scene, which I I will only be mentioning what I think is important in this episode and what I think stands out. So if I miss any details, don't worry. It's probably just because it's like, you know, you know, the scene's moving along and everything. So it's not really that big of a deal. Well, obviously everything in the show connects to something and everything's important in the show, but there's just some things that stand out a little more to me that I'd like to talk about. And, you know, just, like, vent about. So I'm going to be talking about the intro scene at, like, the house, which at first I thought it was a hotel. Um, but then, you know, it zooms out, and I'm like, oh, that is, in fact, a house, I think. I don't know. If any of you guys know what that is, that'd be great if you guys told me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what that is, but I'm pretty sure it's, like, a house that they're building. Like, for... Or maybe it's, like, a condo. Oh, okay, well... I don't know but I feel like in this intro scene you can really see like the dynamic going on with all the friend group and like how everybody works together and like whose personality is like how and everything like John B is over here literally on top of the roof and then he drops the beer can and he's just like so chill about it and then JJ is just like also super chill about everything but then later on like a few minutes in um whenever they're running away in, you know, as we all know, the Twinkie. Oh, I must also say there will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the whole show, I don't suggest listening to this until you finish the show because I will be talking about future references and everything. Um, But yeah, anyway, just needed to say that. Um, So they all get in the Twinkie or, you know, their little Volkswagen van thing. Um, And in that scene, you can see JJ throwing the can at, like, the... Um, not officer, he's like a security guard, I think. You can see JJ throwing the freaking beer can at the security guard, and it. I feel like that just says a lot about his personality. Like, he doesn't really care. He's just super chill about everything. Pope is the one who lets everyone know, um, like, that the security showed up and that they need to leave. Kiara literally starts off the scene talking about, like, how it used to be a turtle habitat, which, you know, we all know says a lot about Kiara. And... I think that it's really funny that she mentions the turtle habitat like right at the beginning because later on we come to learn that the reason or I believe it's the reason why she fell in love with like the turtles and everything um 
was because she like went on that whole thing with Sarah. I just think it like circles back fully and I really like that. And so then next I'm gonna be talking about how the JJ and Kiara thing. So I know it's a little early to talk about it, but early on uh, when they're like going through who's who and like John B describing all of his friends and like everything, um, you can see in one of the scenes, Kiara's putting like these pink sunglasses on JJ, which by the way, in case you don't know, that is like, they didn't know that was being filmed. So that was 100% just Madison Bailey and Rudy just like chilling. And I think that that, that they put that in no, like them not knowing that they weren't on camera. I think that is just such a nice little touch to show that the cast is actually really close. And I've seen a bunch of interviews and I, they're obviously very close. And I think that it that just adds a lot to the show. And it really like adds an extra little like pizzazz, I guess. Um, and while they're describing, or while John B, I guess, is describing, like, all all of his friends and, like, how they're the Pogues and everything, that he says a very important line that, you know, kind of not runs because they don't ever say it again, but, like, it kind of it kind of runs through the whole show when he says we all kind of have a thing for her. Because in the end, we find out how Pope really feels about Kiara. Everyone has su- suspicions about... JJ and Kiara, which I will circle back to, like I was just talking about, and um, how JJ and Kiara seem to have like some weird uh, romantic connection, which I 100% agree with, like that little thing that they put in of Kiara putting the glasses on JJ, I think that just really, I feel like that was just the start of like a romantic relationship that they could possibly have which I will definitely be diving way deeper into in later episodes when we get there. But um, I, I really do think that that little scene kind of just slowly starts putting in stuff, whether the writers intended it to or not. Um, I still think it was a nice little touch to everything. And so after John B is finished talking about like what's going on in his life to like uh, keep or to catch all the viewers up, um, there's this scene where the power goes out right and so you know the power goes out because of the hurricane and everything and it's if you've seen the show like if this is your second time watching the show then you know that that same shot was the one that they used for the end shot when all the lights came back on you know when John me and Sarah were trying to escape and so I think that that was foreshadowing. And if that was, <laughs> oh my God. And if that was foreshadowing, that is some amazing job they did. Cause I think that like, I saw it the first time and I was like, oh, okay. And the second time I, it didn't really click, but then, you know, I rewatched the show. I've seen the show too many times to admit how many, but I can say that it is definitely in the double digits. I've seen the show so many times. Cause you know, I don't have anything else to watch, and I've looked so deep into this show because um, I've come up with so many conspiracies and everything. So it was like the second time when I watched, I was like, oh my god, is that like the end frame for like when the lights come back on? I was like, oh my god, it is. And so I, you know, I finished the show again, and I was like, oh my god, it is the exact same shot. I was like, that is literally foreshadowing. And I thought that was so cool. And I'm I'm like 99.9% sure that was on purpose because like there's no way that was just coincidental and I think that is amazing the foreshadowing that they did without us even realizing it 
you know, if it's just your first time watching the show. And then I'm going to talk about Guffy. So Guffy is this infamous character, you know, we don't know about him, but he's mentioned for the first time in the episode where, like, they're going down the marsh and they're going to pick up Pope um, because they're going to go, like, catch drum and everything. Or I'm pretty sure that's what they were going to do, but that's not what they ended up doing. Um, So Guffy's mentioned. I just want to talk a quick moment about Guffy. Um, I would love to see this character brought to life in season two. Like, I would love to see him come in the show, you know, just, like, even a small little appearance. Because, you know, we're all just sitting here, like, listening to Guffy about how uh, he told Hayward about, like, the palm trees. And he told uh, John B. about where to go fishing with Ward. And, you know, obviously, like, I feel like we can all tell what Guffy's personality is just by hearing of him. He obviously has a very loud mouth doesn't keep anything to himself, and he seems very charismatic, and I would love to see Guffy come to life in season two. I think that would be, like, a nice little touch for the fans, because I think we've all heard Guffy, and we're like, oh, you know, who's Guffy? Um, and so, they go to pick up Pope, and this scene, you know, seems kind of low-key irrelevant, but I think it shows a lot about Pope's personality, and if you finish the show, you know Pope's personality from the beginning to end is quite very extremely different from where he started and he starts off like whenever he's talking to his dad he's like sorry dad like I promise I'll do it tomorrow like I don't even know what he was doing to be honest he's saying sorry to his dad about like leaving and then he's like promising him he'll do it and like he seems very obedient but at the same time his parents seem like a little like they have a loose leash on him because you know they're obviously letting him go with his friends and um I don't think he's punished when he gets back because you know he doesn't really talk about it in the show but I'm sure he's fine because he came back you know um but this says a lot about Pope's personality in the beginning I don't want to say Pope's personality period because he does change like a lot throughout the show but you know everything ties back together at the end but I'll I'll talk about it when we get there um so Pope's you know he says sorry to his dad and he he leaves anyway, um, but I think that says a lot about Pope's, like, way of being. I think that was, like, a nice little touch. And then from there, oh my god, I want to talk about the music. Because, like, you know, obviously the music throughout the whole show, if you've seen the whole show, is amazing. It's absolutely phenomenal. Like, I love listening to the playlist. I don't listen to it all the time because, like, you have to have, like, a certain type of feel for it at, in, or, like, type of emotion for it. Um, but whenever they pick up Pope and they get Kiara and they're, like, drinking beers, they play, like, a nice song. If you know what scene I'm talking about, you know exactly what song I'm talking about. And it, like, I love that song. It's so good. Um, first time I heard it, I was like, oh my god, this is, like, so fun. I love this. And the music throughout the whole show is amazing. It's, like, great. It's, like, that song times ten. Even better. It just gets better from there. Um... And, you know, they go find the boat, and in that scene, uh, John B. mentions that he surfed the surge. And, you know, Kiara gets a little upset. Kiara's like, what the heck? Why did you surf the surge? And this is just a little hint of the random, like, okay, there's no way I'm the only one who thinks the way that Kiara was with John B. was random. Like, I think that was so random, especially considering she rejected him later on in, like, a few episodes. Um... And so I think it was just, like, really weird that Kiara was upset about John B. surfing the surge. 
And it just didn't make sense because then later on, she also gets upset about him going under with the scuba gear. Um, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But that, I just thought that was just so... It didn't make any sense to me. Like, why was Kiara, like, upset about about that? Like, I don't understand. Um, and then after that, it cuts to the ward scene. Now, I want to talk about this for a second. There's no way I'm the only one who didn't know what was going on the first time they watched it. Watching it again, you know, with the amount of times I've seen it, I know exactly what's going on. But the first time I watched it, I will tell you exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, who's this guy? Who's this lady? Why is she asking for some guy named Scooter? Um, who's that girl going up the stairs, which I'm talking about Rose? I literally thought that was Ward's daughter. I was like, who is that? Why is she here? Which I still don't know if Rose is, like, his wife or, like, her, or his girlfriend. Did I say her wife? I might have said her wife. Oops. Um, well, I don't know if that's his wife or his girlfriend. Like, I don't know if they're married or not. I have no idea. Um, and so I was like, who, what's going on? Like, okay, you guys gotta tell me. Am I the only one who thought that? I don't think so. Like, I just don't think so. It was just so confusing. And I was like, who is this girl hitting the seagulls? Okay, first time I watched it, I literally had no idea what she was doing. I thought she was hitting rats. Like, because then I heard something in the bushes, you know? Like, later on, I was like, is she hitting rats? I was like, what's going on? I didn't know what was going on that whole time. Um, but, you know, obviously, rewatching it, I know that that is Lana looking for Scooter. And, okay, Ward tells Lana... I don't know where Scooter is. He's probably just hunkered down somewhere. Ward literally knows where Scooter is. And also, in the end, you find out Lana also knew where Scooter went. Like, he went to go to that island to look for God knows what. Or wherever it was. I don't know where he went. I think it was some stupid island. Ward literally knew. And Lana also, whenever she's explaining to John B. what happened to his dad. Like, she literally says, yeah, that night Scooter went out. But I begged him not to. So why is she asking, why did they ask Sarah? Why did they ask Sarah? Because, like, even if, you know, she had thought that Scooter came back there after going to the little island, why did they ask Sarah where he went after prepping for the storm? Because wouldn't he have done, I feel like he would have done that before he went to the island, you know? It didn't make any sense. So, I don't know what was going on there or why they asked Sarah because that also Ward knew exactly what happened to Scooter and I'm almost positive Ward knew Scooter would die I'm almost positive because you know we all know how Ward is well not not in the first episode but you know we learn how Ward is and his ways and one last thing about this scene the actor who plays Sarah Madison Klein she looks gorgeous in this scene she looks gorgeous all the time obviously but I just want to talk, I just want to acknowledge how great she looked in this scene. Wow. I, I just want to say she is a gorgeous human being and I would do anything for Miss Sarah Cameron. So in the next scene, you see, um, you know, all the Pogues going to the motel with the motel key that they found in the boat. And two important quotes are said in like this small time span that they're in the motel. Um, one is the, be careful, Kiara's talking to uh, John B. 
And then the no pogue on pogue macking. Um, when she says be careful, this is just another thing that Kiara does that is so confusing because, like, in this moment, I remember watching the first time, I was like, oh my god, are they gonna be, like, a thing? Are, is this, like, the relationship of the show? Because, you know, I hadn't seen the trailer. If you watch the trailer, obviously, it's John B and Sarah. But, you know, I hadn't watched the trailer. I literally just watched it because um, I heard a lot of people giving the Outer Banks hype. And I was like, you know, it's fine. I'll watch it. So I literally thought Kiara and John B, I was like, oh, this this is what's going to go on then, I guess. So, um, yeah, that kind of threw me off. Um, also because, you know, like like I said, Kiara literally rejected John B., so I don't know why she's being, like, all... I don't know. It's, like, I feel like it's more of a motherly love that she's giving him. But, you know, it just comes off as, like, a romantic way. I don't know. But Kiara said that, and it really threw me off. And then the next quote, no poke on poke macking, is the first time this special rule comes up in the show. And, you know, we all know no one listens to this rule. But... It is an important rule because it is brought up quite frequently. And then after that, you know, they're going up to the motel, whatever. JJ says the best line. Okay, maybe not the best line in the whole show. There are some, I know which line is the best line in my opinion, just because of the way that it was delivered. But I will tell you guys my favorite quote when we get there. It's like a lot further down, but um, freaking JJ says the housekeeping thing. He's like, he, like, knocks on the door, and he's like, housekeeping? Like, yes, king, give us everything. I love that. It was just, I just, I needed to talk about it, because everyone loves that quote, and it's just, it's a little cute JJ thing. You know, you find a little fondness in JJ, and we love him. I just, I love it. I, oh my god, my dog just squeaked her toy. I am so sorry if you guys hear her squeak her toy um, in the background, or, like, just moving around. But she did just wake up from a nap, so um, I'm just going to apologize for the future for when she does that. Um, anyway, so inside the motel, J J JB, sorry, that's what I have written down for John B. I have JB written down. Um, John B, how did he not connect the numbers to the keypad on the safe? Um, am I, I might, I'm, no, I'm not even going to say that. Because I know I'm not the only one who noticed it the first time around. I saw it. I was like, you know, obviously we didn't see the safe first with the numbers. But we saw it in the numbers, and I was like, oh, uh, that is a weird order of numbers. I wonder what that is. And then I saw the safe, and I was like, oh, my God, duh. It's the numbers for the safe. And when I tell you my gears were grinding whenever freaking John B was putting in random numbers instead of the numbers that were obviously for the keypad, I was like... Yeah, oh my god. It's driving it, That was just driving me insane. Um, I thought it was funny that John B just didn't know that the numbers were for the freaking keypad. Um, and then when they're inside the motel, Kiara and uh, JD... Oh my god, I just called... <laughs> okay. Kiara and Pope are just, like, having a little conversation, you know. And Kiara, you see Kiara's... Well, you see more of Kiara's personality in this scene. Because she's talking about how you should give 110% to the earth. Bare minimum. Like, yes, queen. Save our earth. Make sure we have no pollution. Oh my god. But yeah, I just love that that showed a little bit of her personality. And then 
at the motel is also the first time we hear Pope talk about the scholarship that, you know, um, I don't even want to say it, but we all know what happens. But, um, you know, throughout the whole show, Pope just talks about the scholarship, and I marked down how many times he talked about it in this, um, in this episode. I'll count them up at the end. Um, he mentioned it twice already, and we're already in the first episode. Um, he mentions his scholarship twice, and yeah, we, we start to hear about the scholarship that he is working so hard for to be a coroner. You get to see how Kiara and Pope's dynamic works when they're throwing rocks at the window, and, you know, they're just, like, small banter. It just, I don't know, it kind of shows Kiara having, like, um, oh my god, that, I do not want to say that, but she's, like, above Pope, because, you know, Pope is, like, kind of shy, um, and he's just, like, really smart, he's, like, the brains of the operation, and Kiara is just, like, low-key bullying him. But, like, in a loving way, obviously. And I just love that it shows that that dynamic that they have. And in the motel, you know, while they're doing that, JJ finds the one and only gun. The gun, guys. The gun has entered the scene. We, oh my god, we all know JJ and his relationship with his gun. Um, and because of the gun, the show will forever be changed. Let's be honest. Without the gun, they're... There's a lot of things that probably, like, don't end up happening. Um, but, yeah, so the gun is here, and she's here to stay. At this motel scene, after that, a bunch of stuff happens, and then they have a kegger. And another thing in Pope's personality, he denies the drink offered to him by JJ. I think that is very important because, you know, we all know what happens later. And so, yeah, I think it's just another small important thing to talk about for with Pope's personality about him denying the drink because, you know, he doesn't want to drink and everything. And then right from there, it cuts to Kiara talking about horoscopes. And in the background of the fight scene, I know this isn't really relevant, but in the background of the fight scene, you see Kels. Um, and even though Kels is a terrible character, um, the actor seems very nice. And so I was, you know, we didn't know who he was at the time, but he was in the background of the fight scene. So I just want to point that out, that Kels was there, because I didn't even realize he was there until like a few times after I watched it. Um, so yeah, Kels is in the background of the fight, um, but Rafe is nowhere to be seen. And he will be nowhere to be seen until episode two. So that I find kind of suspicious. Is that Madison Bailey talking, or is that Kiara talking? Or is it both? Because I feel like Madison Bailey would definitely be the type of person to talk about horoscopes. And with Kiara caring so much about the earth and everything, and the turtles, I feel like that just goes along so well with her talking about horoscopes. And in this scene, we also learn that Kiara and Sarah have an issue with each other, or something like that, you know? They obviously have a little bit of a problem, and it's brought up, but you know, we don't know why, um, but... John B. does say that they're best friends in the ninth grade and then worst enemies in the 10th grade. And, you know, obviously later on in the show, we learn that Kiara goes through something called, that they refer to as her kook year. And so obviously I feel like it's kind of important to know her kook year was her freshman year of high school. And so, yeah, we learn when Kiara's kook year is and that Kiara and Sarah have a little issue and then I just want to bring up this little thing 
the actor who plays Topper, his name's Austin North, he was on a Disney show called I Didn't Do It. And let me tell you how long it took me to figure out where he was from. I It was like one of those things that I didn't want anyone to tell me. I wanted to figure it out, and I couldn't figure it out. And then like maybe a few days after I started watching the show, and so something on my For You page for TikTok came on, and it was like, uh the guy from Outer Banks who plays Chopper seems kind of familiar and it was from the I Didn't Do It show. Let me just say, Austin North went from being a Disney star to being a great Netflix original TV star. Like I I just think that's phenomenal that he did that. Um so yeah, Stan Austin North for clear skin because he really uh changed his career going to Netflix and the character change was amazing and he pulled it off phenomenally. You want to know how I know that? Because we all hate Topper. At the party, um, JJ offers Sarah a drink, which, you know, causes a fight between John B and Topper, but whatever. Um, and I have a little mini conspiracy. Why was JJ talking to Sarah in the first place? Maybe it was just to, like, tease her or mess around with her because, you know, she's a kook or whatever. Or, like, did he, did he spike the drink? But at the same time, I don't know if he did that because... I don't think JJ would do that. I would like to hope JJ wouldn't do something like that. And also, um, he offered it to John B first, but I'm not sure if he did that on purpose because he saw Sarah coming, but I don't know. Um, but then, you know, uh, after the fight, or not after the fight, more like during the fight, JJ points the gun at, um, at the back of Topper's head, and then he talks to Sarah, and he's like, did you say something, princess? And I just think, I don't know, something about that... Um, that whole interaction makes me feel like that they used to be somewhat of friends or in the same circle or I don't know just something about it makes me feel like that they used to have like some some not relationship because that makes it sound like they that they were dating but that's not what I mean I mean like just some sort of connection with each other and that they used to be friends because like he offered her the drink and you know he might have just doing it he might have just been doing it to be nice but why was he doing that because she's a kook and I don't know. Or maybe he was doing it because he knew Kiara doesn't like her. And he just wanted to mess with her. But I don't know. There's just a bunch of different ways that could go. I just think it was weird that JJ offered her the drink in the first place. Um, but in that scene as well, Topper... Now, this is when I knew I hated Topper. From the very start, I hated this man. Not Austin North. We stand Austin North. But we absolutely hate Topper. No. No. Absolutely not. He is, like, literally basically drowning John B. Why? God knows why. He is taking it too far. He's over here drowning John B. Like, before he even starts to do that, he makes the most, like, disrespectful comment I think he could ever make. He's like, I'm gonna drown you like your old man. Like, are you serious, Topper? What's wrong with you? Like, his his dad died not even a year ago or disappeared, you know, not even a year ago. And you're over here making comments about it, telling him that you're going to kill him just like his dad. Like, Topper, seriously? Okay, grow a pair of balls because real men don't say shit like that. Oh my god, it was just so frustrating. Like, I hate Topper for that. It really shows his character, like, how he is and just, like, how he, he doesn't care about anyone but himself. Which, you know... He obviously cares about Sarah in a weird way, but we'll talk about that later. Um, 
But he, like, at this point, he's just, he just seems very narcissistic, and he only cares about himself, and he only worries about things that affect him. He obviously doesn't, um, he's not very compassionate because he didn't even think about how that, saying those words would make John B. feel. And I just, I think it re- it was a really great way of, like, introducing Topper as to how he is as a person in the show. Okay, and after the fight scene, um, there is an underwater scene where, like, the actor who plays um, John B.'s dad, Big John, he's under the water, and then so is John B., and he's, like, reaching out to his dad, and his dad just slowly drifts away. But this, I feel like this makes the viewers feel like, or at least it made me feel like, it made me feel like his dad was, like, still alive and still out there, but he's just, like, gone like, he just disappeared for a while, especially with what John B. was saying. He was saying, oh, yeah, he said that my dad said that he's going to have to vanish for a bit, but he'll be back. Like, your dad just, like, vanished, and he's, but he said that, like, he would have to vanish. I don't know. That whole thing made me feel like that John B.'s dad would still be alive. You know, sadly, he was not. Rest in peace, Big John. But, um, yeah, I just, I just want to talk about that scene. Also, the acting that they did was incredible for that. They were underwater, guys. They were literally underwater. That is absolutely phenomenal. I would have probably drowned um, because I cannot hold my breath for more than maybe 20 seconds. And I cannot imagine how many times they had to shoot that scene to get it perfect. Or maybe they just like didn't want to put them underwater for so long. But either way, the shot came out great. And I think it was a great uh, addition to the show. We're going to talk about, because the next scene, you know, John B. lies to Sheriff Peterkin, whatever. Um, John B. is a great liar. In the beginning of the show, throughout the show, he progressively gets worse. And I have absolutely no idea why. Um, John B. slowly becomes a terrible liar. Why? Don't know. But I feel like it's relevant to mention. Because John B. became a terrible liar, literally out of nowhere. He was great at the beginning of the show. He was even lying to the DCS person. And I believed him the first time I watched it. I was like, oh, why is the DCS telling him that his uncle's not with him? Even though he had literally just said that his uncle is not with him. I don't know what I was doing and why I wasn't paying attention to the beginning. But I think it's just because I have to watch shows over and over again to process everything going on. I didn't really know what was happening. And I was like, oh, I believe him. Um, so, if I believed him and I was watching the show, I mean, John B. was a pretty good freaking liar, so, I don't know why he got so terrible all of a sudden. Um, and then after, you know, John B. talks to Sheriff Peter Kim, whatever, um, there's a scene where J- JJ and John B. have this exchange, um, of words, where JJ's talking about how they have nothing to lose. Now, this scene was executed in the absolute most perfect way I can imagine possible. It, like, it just, it really showed the emotion JJ had towards, like, his life, saying that he really had nothing to lose. You know, at the time, we didn't know what was happening, but I feel like this is the first time in the show JJ shows any sort of side of, like, vulnerability. He's opening up, saying, like, he has nothing to lose. We, We still don't know why, but... I think it's it was a really great way to like slowly open JJ up or like slowly show that JJ is ha- like he has a hard life that we don't know about yet. After that, we learn John B works for Ward, and in that scene, I'm only bringing it up because in that scene, uh, he's like going to st- to steal the scuba gear, whatever, and um, they get this image of like where the whole family sitting there like eating or drinking mimosas. Probably, let's be honest. And there's no rave. 
you know, the first time watching the show, you don't know that they have a brother yet, but there's no Rafe. And I think this just goes to show how they really treated Rafe and how they didn't include him in things and how he was always the last thought, which I think really helps us understand why Rafe is the way he is. And yeah, I just think that is it is at 39.38. I think it's just an important little thing to notice that Rafe's not there. Like everyone else is there, even Rose. And Rose isn't even their real mom. But I'm going to talk about that around Midsummer's. After that, uh, you know, they're, the cops are looking for the missing shipwreck. And then the guys who supposedly know Scooter show up. I think that they were hired by Ward to get John B or get the compass or figure out what's going on. Because then, you know, spoiler alert, but Ward later kills them. Um, like, for no good reason. Literally no good reason. I don't understand what the reasoning was. Um, and so I think Ward hired them because I don't see where else they would have known to get this compass. Or I don't even know how Ward or these guys knew that there was anything valuable to the compass. Like, I don't understand. I genuinely don't understand. And so after that, Jombie gets the scuba gear and they go, they're going to go underwater. And like, Kiara makes this comment. Um, so who knows how to dive? You're telling me. JJ had the idea to go get the scuba gear. Well, John B go get the scuba gear. When none of them know how to use it, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> I was just like, why? Why is uh? Why is jo- John B getting the scuba gear if they don't know how to use it? Just a little comment that I had. Also, Kiara kissed John B on the cheek. Once again, Kiara's just being very confusing. Um, I love Kiara, but in this moment, knowing what she does like to um reject zombie not a huge fan um and then jj and pope they look so sad that kiara kissed zombie on the cheek and i i just i really feel for them and so then they find the compass the compass that says redfield which you don't find out till the next episode but the compass which uh the ending scene zombie says this was my father's and boom we are done with episode one of The Outer Banks. Wow, what an episode, guys. Um, I really loved diving deep into this episode with you guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed spending time with me as much as I loved spending time with you. Thank you to those who listened to my very first episode of my new podcast, Outer Banks Observations. So if you guys have any questions that you'd like to tweet at me or any conspiracies about episode two, make sure to tweet me at Jeanette Piscina with two I's. And if you don't know how to spell that, it is J-A-N-E-T-T-E-P-E-C-I-I-N-A. And thank you guys so much for listening. And I hope I get to see you guys, or not see you guys because I can't see you, but I hope you guys get to tune in with me next week to talk about episode two of Outer Banks.